Hi, my name is Dawn Smith-Theodore. I'm a marriage and family therapist who specializes in the treatment of eating disorders. I'm a former professional dancer, also a former dance studio owner in Los Angeles. I am recovered from anorexia, and I'm also the author of a book called Too Too Thin, A Guide to Dancing Without an Eating Disorder. The Too Too Thin podcast will explore the complex relationship between dancers, athletes, their body image, and the prevention of eating disorders. As always, you can reach me through my website at dawntheodore.com. I hope you enjoy the podcast. Welcome to the Too Too Thin podcast. My name is Dawn Smith Theodore, and I am so pleased today to have Kim Maselli here with us uh, from uh, California Dance Theater and also the Pacific uh, Festival Ballet. And I'm going to let her tell you a little bit about her background because she's had an amazing dance career. And now she has a very, very successful studio in Southern California and a ballet company. So let's let her talk a little bit about it. So welcome, Kim. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Don, And thank you for having me on. Um, yes, there's lots to share and lots to tell. I've been in the dance world pretty much my whole life. Um, my mother was a professional dancer. And um, so I kind of grew up in the dance studio world. I think one of my first memories is sitting in the corner of a dance studio watching the big girls. You know, finally, it was my turn. Um, so dance has always been integrated into my life and into my family life. Um, yeah, I grew up in Vermont. So we were um, kind of up way up north. And my mom had a dance studio in Manchester, Vermont, and then Burlington, Vermont. Um, and she just trained many dancers. Um, many went on to professional careers, including my sister and myself. So I feel like, you know, dance has always been, you know, part of my identity, I guess, and a part of the fiber of who I am. Um, but I think my mom was smart in some respects that she didn't really force it on us. Um, it was there for us and it was available to us. Um, but I didn't feel like we had to follow in her footsteps. Um, and if anything, as I got older and more serious, she was always trying to do the negative sell on me. <laughs> well, it's really hard to get in. It's a really tough profession. It's this, it's that. Um, but, you know, at that point, I had discovered my own personal love for dance and, and ballet in particular. And so that's what I wanted to do. Um, and, you know, my parents supported me on that. So at 16, I went away to um, the Washington School of Ballet for my junior year of high school and trained there all year long studying. Um, Mary Day was the director of the school at that point and uh, did Nutcrackers. We did 29 Nutcracker performances um, that spring. I did Swan Lake with Maryland Youth Ballet. Um, so I felt like, you know, at 16, I really got a taste of what the professional dance world was like. Um, and I wanted it even more. So uh, after high school, I went to New York. I think literally it was the day after my graduation, I was on a plane um, to the Joffrey and I had gotten um, a scholarship to the Joffrey was in New York at that time before they moved to Chicago. Um, so uh, that kind of launched my my journey into, you know, the, the real professional dance world. And I danced uh, with the Joffrey Concert Group, kind of uh, came into being during the two years I was there. 
Um, so I, I performed and danced with them and we just kind of danced all over New York City. Um, some places I remember showing up and they had like these tables pushed together or dancing on top of <laughs> these little platforms. I'm like, okay, so this is professional dancing. <laughs> um, but then uh, shortly thereafter, I um, ended up joining American Ballet Theater's second company um, and spent two years with the second company there, um, you know, performing in New York. But then it was the first time I really experienced touring. And uh, we went out to California, to um, kind of the Pacific Northwest, way down into the South, uh, Chicago, New England, which is my home ground. So it was my first experience, you know, touring and, and performing in that aspect too. Um, so that was kind of the beginning of my journey. And, and my true love was always classical ballet. Um, but my career kind of segued and, and went in different directions that I never even anticipated. Yeah, I saw that you were danced on the TV show Fame. I did for four years. Wow. Uh, yes. So, you know, it, my parents moved from uh, Vermont to California because part of my mom's career when she was younger was out here in California. And she danced with a Horace Height group, which was kind of like an Ed Sullivan type show back in the uh -huh. 50s. So she came out here as a teenager, I think from 15 to 17, and they lived on his ranch, which was in uh, the San Fernando Valley, and did this weekly live uh, variety TV show. And then they toured and did USO troop performances. And so she got bit by the California bug and always wanted to move back to California. So when I was dancing in New York, she packed up the whole family and moved out to Thousand Oaks, California. Um, so I had the summer off from the ballet company and I thought, oh, I'm just going to come out and see, you know, California and my parents' new home. And, and I think, yeah, I, I, um, got involved with a summer stock theater group and they were doing West Side Story. And so, um, I was cast as the, um, the dream Maria. So it was like the ballet pas de deux. Um, and then they also threw me into the chorus. So I was, um, one of the jet girls. And it was like the first time I had ever done anything other than classical ballet. And it was really fun because it was just this whole different side of performing and theater. And a lot of the people in the cast, you know, worked in the Hollywood industry or commercials. And so they encouraged me. They're like, why don't you just stay out here and, you know, see what you can do? And I thought, well, why not? You know, I was 21. <laughs> I left my bank account in New York and thought I can always go back to New York. And um, so I started teaching just to, you know, make a little money and doing auditions. And I think that October um, I landed the Baryshnikov in Hollywood TV special. Oh, which was really amazing. Cause I got to dance with Baryshnikov. There was four girls that were hired um, to do these certain segments. And um, when I was in New York with ABT two, it was during the time when Baryshnikov took over the main company. And so he was at the helm and, you know, would drop in before we'd go out on tour and just sit in on a class, you know, on a run through or right. a class, you know, but, you know, I always saw him from a distance. And now all of a sudden, you know, I was one of four girls dancing with him and, and getting to do a little bit of partnering. And I just remember in my mind going, I can't believe Burishnikov is touching me. <laughs> we were doing this little turn and dip and, you know, so it was kind of a very surreal experience. Um, but it, it got me my after card. And I did um, one season of Nutcracker with Los Angeles Ballet before they folded. And then that January, I auditioned and got the uh, role on the TV show Fame as one of the regular dancers. 
So my life took a quick pivot. Um, and for four years, I, I was dancing on this TV show and ended up traveling all over the world. So it was it was a pretty unique experience. Pretty exciting. I mean, you know, because you transitioned pretty well from ballet to musical theater or mm-hmm. I don't know, on fame, you must have done everything. Yeah. And that's what was amazing about the show. And, you know, as a dancer, it was it was for me, it was frightening and exciting because, you know, I, I was confident as a classical ballet dancer. But right. Each episode it was something different. You know, it's like African dance, modern jazz, Broadway. Um, you know, my mom was a tap dancer, so I had a little bit of, you know, my basics in tap. Um, but it was just such a growing experience. But like on the fly, like I didn't have any time to prepare. I just had to <laughs> go for it. Um, but you probably learned learned a lot. I bet you bring some of that to your studio today. Yeah, you know, because you have, I mean, you have the classical piece of it, but then you have everything else that if somebody doesn't want to be a classical ballet dancer, there's yeah. many other options. Yeah. No, that is so true. And I feel like, you know, the, the four years of being on that show and you know, working under Debbie Allen and then Oda Sully was her assistant. Um they were just so amazing to work with. And then they bring different guest choreographers in, you know, so the exposure was huge and it really widened my perspective on dance. And I think, you know, with my classical ballet training, it gave me such a solid foundation that I was able to diversify. And once I got comfortable with the different dance styles, I just realized how many choices I had as a dancer Um, And so that's really what I've tried to impart and build into our studio. Like, you know, we are classical and I would say that's our main foundation, but I make all of our ballet students, you know, take modern jazz, contemporary, you know, even tap um, musical theater. Because in in this day and age, too, I feel like a lot of um, boundaries have been erased. It used to be more like you're this, you're that, you're that. And now I feel like as a dancer, you need to be able to do almost anything. Yeah, so true. And um, tell me how you ended up, how'd you transition from fame to a dance studio? Well, I think because, um, you know, my mom was out here and she was teaching at some local studios and she had um, befriended another woman who moved from Michigan uh, who had a dance studio there. And they were always concocting the idea of opening up their own studio And, you know, they were trying to wrangle me into the formula, (laughs) but, you know, I was still very busy, you know, dancing. I think I had just gotten off of fame, but I was still, you know, I did the girls just want to have fun um, movie and I was doing different videos, you know, I was still definitely in performing mode and um, still wanting to pursue different aspects of my career. So I wasn't a hundred percent sure if I wanted to get tied down to, you know, a studio and committing to teaching on a regular basis. But, but I did. Um, and in hindsight, I'm really glad I did because it just gave me um, the opportunity to extend my career and grow in ways as a teacher and as a choreographer and as an artist in ways that I never would have dreamt of. Yeah. yeah. And it's so, it's so interesting because not everybody can make that transition easily Mm -hmm. you know like some people aren't really teachers you know and they just want to perform and so it's great that you had that and probably mom helped that since you grew up in a dance studio yeah she 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 definitely did because I remember even as a teenager her 
going, hey, can you go teach that class? Or she'd throw me a piece of music and go, hey, can you choreograph something to this? And so I I never felt afraid of it. You know, it was just something that, and, and I grew to realize that I love teaching um, and I love teaching students long-term, you know, just so you can see the growth and the progress and just, you know, they start as little rosebuds and blossom into these beautiful flowers and, you know, just launching them into life, really, you know, if, from eight to 18 years old, you know, those are just really such formative and beautiful years. And also, you know, it's like dance gives such confidence, discipline, so many mm-hmm. things to to young dancers that yeah. they may not get in something else. So, and as a dance teacher, you spend a lot of time with your students, mm-hmm. I would think. Oh, I do. And, you know, there's, you know, such a relationship that gets built with so many students that, you know, I've had parents come to me and say, you know, my daughter spends more time in the studio with you than they do at home with us. And and you realize that responsibility of really being there to help them, you know, way beyond just, you know, teaching them how to dance. Yeah. What about your, um, I know you have, you know, a, a, a a dance studio, but you you also have a pre-professional program. Um, what does it take to get into that? And are you training dancers to go on to ballet companies? Like, tell us a little bit about that. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, this was always a, a goal of mine, but I think also a necessity um, in the earlier stages of the studio when we were training dancers and just seeing, um, you know, some really gifted young dancers and artists emerge and evolve out of the studio and then they would go off maybe at 14 or 15 years old to you know places like um, New York, SAB, San Francisco Ballet you know just to really pursue a career and so many times I saw them struggle or just end up coming home kind of defeated and I realized that, you know, leaving home at 14 and 15 years old for for most, I mean, there's the exception to every rule, um, but that they're just not ready to handle the pressure of what living on your own is, being in a competitive environment and just not having that roof over their head each day to come home to and decompress. Um, So I really wanted to create something local and at our studio where these high school students could get that additional intensive training that they need to excel, but then go home at night and be with your parents and just, you know, have that emotional support um, of just being at home and being a teenager. Um, I I love that. Cause I don't know for you, how was it for you to go away at 16? Was it hard? Um, I, I feel like at 16, I was pretty independent. Um, It didn't really seem to ruffle feathers too much. Um, I ended up having to go home my senior year because, you know, my parents couldn't afford to keep me there um, for two years in a row. And that was almost more devastating for me. He's like, what do you mean? I have to go home. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But in hindsight, I think that additional year at home before I did launch and go to New York was probably the best thing that could have happened for me because I think I did need that stability Mm -hmm. of just home life again before I left. Yeah, Yeah. I think that's great. if you were to think about what do you think was available, was not available to you that maybe you wish was available to you that maybe is available to dancers today. Do you feel like there are things that you 
didn't have as a dancer to help you move forward in your career or health-wise? I do, um, especially now that I look at um, this generation and even looking at ballet companies now and the services they offer, I feel like they look at dancers as more of a full human being and not just a dancer. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, back in my generation, there really wasn't um, like the physical therapy aspect um, or injury prevention or cross training. Um, you know, I felt like, you know, if you got injured, you just sat on the sidelines and waited till you got better. Um, and now, you know, I've, one of my um, alumni students is with uh, Ballet West 2 um, this year. And I'm just so impressed with that company. I know there are many that have this whole underground platform of preventative injury, um, you know, PTs on site, um, physical therapy, um, just you can go downstairs to this room whenever you have anything that might be plaguing you. And, and it's just such a healthier approach to be preventative instead of, you know, you get injured and then you wait till you get better. And a lot of them have nutritionists now on yeah. like a site for, especially for dance intensives, I think, you mm-hmm. know, because I think, again, preventative, because yeah. what you want as a dancer is longevity. Yes. You want to have the ability to dance for a long time. And, you know, when people aren't fueling their body properly, it becomes problematic, as you know. Exactly. Yeah. No, and I feel like there's, with that too, there's a lot more of an awareness um, with just, and I think even just in the world in general, there's more of an awareness of eating disorders and um, body image and and just how you can work away from that. Yeah, I I think it's true. And then there's also for kids on Instagram, there's a tremendous amount of diet culture and pressure to look a certain way. So Mm -hmm. I think that you know, where we are, have a lot more awareness. We all, they also have a lot more pressure yeah. from looking at other people, whether it, like for dancers, even on um, Instagram and looking at this person does this and mm-hmm. I can't do that. Mm-hmm. That's one of my pet peeves because, you know, my girls and my dancers are constantly on Instagram and, you know, looking at this dancer, that dancer. And I'm like, yeah, but they're posting something that's so um, unrealistic in a way it's maybe it's their best moment of this or that, or, or maybe they're doctoring things up and that's not even really them, you know, in like if they were, if you guys were side by side in the studio, you know, you guys might not be that far apart from each other, but just the perception I think that social media gives um, could be really damaging for people's psyche or uh, just self-confidence because they think, well, if that person's looking like that, I could never have a career. Yeah. And I mean, I try to talk to dancers about there's a place for everyone. You just have to find the right place because I do think there are places where like, I even think ballet's changed a lot as far as body type, but, Mm -hmm. but even if it's, you don't have the right body type for um, a certain form of dance, then it's like, there are so many different companies that are accepting of different, they want different genders and Mm -hmm. racial and cultural. So I I think the world has expanded in that way. Yeah, definitely. No, I feel that same kind of thing where I feel like a lot of the boundaries have been erased where it used to be X, Y, and Z. And now there's a broader platform, which allows for individuality. You don't have to fit into this cookie cutter. 
That's I, I exactly. I think it's great. What about your uh, ballet company? So d- is it associated with the dance studios? It's separate. How do you manage all of that? Yeah, it, um, Pacific Festival Ballet is a nonprofit ballet company. Um, so they're two completely separate entities. Um, we're the resident ballet company at the Civic Arts Plaza um, in Thousand Oaks. Technically, it's the Bank of America Performing Arts Center. Uh, and we've been there since uh, the doors opened in 1994. Uh, and it's been, you know, amazing because it's a huge stage. I mean, it's very similar, I would say, almost to the Dorothy Chandler, um, the big theater. There's two theaters on the property and the large one seats 1800. And, you know, it's just a world class theater. And literally, it's in our backyard. Um, so it's been wonderful, you know, for me as a director and as a choreographer to have this playground, you know, this beautiful stage and theater. And, you know, a lot of our original ballets I've designed to the specs of that stage. Um, So it's been a treat for me to have such a beautiful facility. And also just for our dancers to grow up performing on that stage and in that environment. Um, You know, as kids, you don't know the difference. And some of them, you know, turn professional and end up touring and, you know, and ending up in uh, theaters that are... (laughs) smaller (laughs) smaller and shabby and this and that and they come back and they're like wow I had no idea that we had such a beautiful theater to grow up in I'm like yeah you guys are pretty lucky when you danced on tables yes exactly (laughs) (laughs) what what about um mom picked the right place to come to right she like thousand oaks Oaks. how'd she pick that you know that was kind of random because when they came out and decided to move, you know they wanted to be in the Los Angeles area. But I think they, did, my mom and dad, just drove around for a while and scoped out different parts. They didn't want to be in the city, and you know Thousand Oaks in the early '80s, it was you know a pretty quiet little town, right? But they just loved it, and it, they just ended up landing here. So I think it was meant to be. It was meant to be. Yeah. Um, how about for you? Did you struggle with body image as a dancer? Did it did it come up for you at all in different things? I mean, you had so many different um, areas that you danced in. I'm just curious. Yeah, I think, um, you know, I think all dancers probably run into certain aspects of it during the course of their career. Um, I think for me, um, you know, first in the ballet world, you're always I was always wanting to be three to five pounds thinner. It was like, okay, it's just trying to lose a couple more pounds or not a couple more, just try to lose a couple pounds. I just, you know, the dance world was always on emphasis and ballet on being thin. And, you know, I was, I was tiny. I'm only five, two, but you know, I'm muscular. And I always thought, well, maybe if I just lose a few more pounds, I'll look more like that willowy tall dancer, (laughs) which wasn't me. Um, And then I felt like I kind of got, over that. And then when I came out here to California and was dancing on TV, you know, TV naturally puts, you know, five pounds on you, I think is what most people say. So I'm looking at myself on TV now. I'm like, I just need to lose a few more pounds. And I just felt like it was that inevitable chase to lose three to five pounds, which sounds silly, but it can get wrapped up in your head after a while. Mm -hmm. And, and I think I just really had to, um, to combat that. And, just realize why I dance and why I love to dance. And the fact that I was dancing professionally meant that there was a place in the dance world for me. And it didn't matter if I lost three more pounds or something. 
Yeah. And other people probably wouldn't have even known it. But no. it's, I think the other part of it is the the passion has to, you know, like when I work with dancers who have eating disorders, I want to return them to dance mm-hmm. and I want them to return them to dance because that's their passion. Yeah. And so I think if you can hold on to that passion for what you do, then it makes all the difference in the world. And clearly you had a, a true passion for what you did. So yeah. the, the, I need to lose three to five pounds didn't win over the passion yeah. for your dance. Exactly. And and I, I realized like, like I'm not going to rob myself of the joy of dancing. Like that's what I love to do. And yeah. I'm not going to let that get in the way. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have, you know, like, what do you tell your dancers, your pre-professional dancers? Do you, you know, do you give them advice? Do you, how do you help them prepare for the role in a dance company or wherever they want to go? I feel, um, first, I really try to guide them because there are so many options for even ballet companies. Um, Just really finding one that's the right fit for them. Um, You know, dance is so individual and I really try to cultivate my dancers to find their own uniqueness you know, stylistically, artistically, and just, you know, even just where you fit in. Um, so a shorter dancer, I'll, I'll try to guide towards a company that lends itself towards that, a taller one. Like my student who's at Ballet West now, she's tall and willowy and, you know, Ballet West was a perfect option for her. And she got in there and she was like, I wasn't even the tallest one. I felt like I was the shortest one in there. And, you know, but it was just kind of, you realize there's unique places for everybody. Um, so really trying to find that for, for each student that wants to pursue a career. Yeah. I mean, I love the fact you talked about at the very beginning, like it became my identity. And I think so many times dance does become our identity, Mm -hmm. but I think it's also finding how, what makes you unique in the Mm -hmm. dance world? Cause everybody is, and everybody has their own something that there's have strength in. And so it's finding that and what, where, what's the best fit for you. And there are so many, I think so many more options today than there used to be that it's like, um, it's great that you guide your dancers to try to put them in the direction that would be helpful for them Mm -hmm. based on their size or the kind of dancer they are. Yeah. And, you know, also, I feel like now there's less of a pressure at such a young age to have to have turned professional. You know, I feel like in my generation, if you were 18 to 20, you know, if you weren't already landing something, you know, you may as well just pack it up. And I feel like now it's almost the opposite. And I think also since the pandemic, it kind of pushed the age back a little bit that I feel Mm -hmm. there's these options now of amazing university dance and ballet programs that just groom and cultivate the young artists to that next step. Um, And I think going into ballet companies into your twenties and, and, you know, even a lot of these company dancers now are mid to late twenties, even going into professional work, they're just so much more established as people and human beings. And I feel like they have, you know, some life experience and, and it's, they're just more successful as a result. Yeah. It's a little bit like what you talked about as far as the, you know, 
the fact you started your pre-professional program because you wanted people to be able to stay home. Mm-hmm. Even college is another step that yeah. helps prepare them for being independent in the world as exactly. a dancer. Yeah, I agree. And, and that, I think, but that wasn't available for a no, long time. It really wasn't. So that's that's another thing that was available that's available today. Mm-hmm. And I think there's so many good programs out there. Yeah. No, I'm more and more impressed with just some of the university options and you know a lot of retired professionals now who are going and working in the universities and really bringing world-class dance uh, to these establishments. And then they, they're also bringing choreographers, modern day, current day choreographers into these programs to set work and to work with the students. And, you know, it's a win-win all the way across the board, I think. Yeah, it is. So tell us what you do for fun. You dance all the fun. time. Yeah, <laughs> I know I do. I'm in the studio six days a week. Sometimes I'm trying to make it five days a week now. Um, but well, let me see. I love nature. You know, I grew up in Vermont, so I'm, I'm kind of a nature girl. Um, so I love walking my dog and going for nature walks. Um, I love birds. I have a little bit of a bird hobby. Oh, like you have them at your house or? No, I don't have them at my house. I have them in my yard. Um, but I, I have this bird app where I can, um, when I see unique birds, I can, use this app to tell me what type of bird it is. And I have this little bird collection on my phone, <laughs> finding unique and different birds. That's yeah. an interesting, uh, yeah, that's very interesting. Um, have you always had that? Like as a kid, did you like I birds? I think so. I did yeah. love birds. Yeah. Because in Vermont, there was just some beautiful birds that just would land in Vermont. your backyard. Mm-hmm. Do you go back very often? Uh, not as often as I'd like. I still have family there, but yeah, we go back periodically. Yeah. Um, and is there any mantra that you tell yourself on a daily basis? Mantra? Well, I mean, I'm a faith-based woman, so I have a strong belief in God. Um, and I feel like every single day I kind of wake up, first of all, just grateful for what I have in my life. Um, grateful for the career that I've had. And uh, just, you know, my goal is to try to use my life experiences, my um, talents to kind of pour into the next generation and, and just help them have some of the same experiences that I had. Yeah. yeah. That's what dance is about, right? Is mm-hmm. passing it on. Yeah. I think it's one of those rare, rare forms where it hasn't changed much, you know, with electronics and, you know, everything is just advanced and upgraded so much, but I feel like, you know, classical ballet, especially, it's just one of those things that's really still kind of handed down generation to generation. And I love that. Yeah. Yeah. I love that too. I just, Kim, I want to thank you for being a part of the show. I appreciate what you do for the dance world and for young dancers today um, to prepare them for the world. And, um, you know, just thank you. So yeah. um, to the Too Thin uh, podcast listeners, uh, thank you as always for listening. And um, if you have questions, you can always reach me through my website at dawntheodore.com or tututhin.com. Thank you again for listening and have a great day.